Welcome to To Put It Playfully, the podcast that explores all things kink, sex and lingerie. I'm your host Becky, enthusiast of all things playful and sensual. Each week we bring you a new guest to join the conversation and share their unique perspective. So join us as we delve into the fascinating and thrilling world of play, pleasure and everything in between. Hello and welcome to To Put It Playfully, a podcast by Playful Promises. I'm your host Becky and today we're chatting with professional dominatrix Simone on all things kink. Okay, so let's start off with a simple question. What made you realise you wanted to become a dom? Um, well, yeah, it's kind of a funny answer, but it was basically the TV show CSI. Um, there was a character on it called Lady Heather, who's Ooh. a professional dominatrix. And she's actually like a really well fleshed out character whenever you consider the depictions of sex workers yeah. in media that you often get. And she's one of the main love interests of uh, the like lead character in CSI. And I just thought she was amazing. She was like, you know, and just like a really strong female character. And I've always been like, I always loved the villains in like Disney movies and stuff yeah, like that. Like too. I've always like, I loved Angelica and the Rugrats. She oh was my, my favorite character. <laughs> they always have the best clothes as well, I find. <laughs> yeah, I just like always loved like the mean girls and like the bullies and stuff. It's an ar- archetype that I've always <laughs> been drawn to. And then, like, it's a bit deep, but, like, actually, like, whenever I was about 24, I did quite a lot of therapy to Mm -hmm. deal with some things in my past. And I think whenever I confronted a lot of that, like, sexual trauma that I had from my past, it opened up the door for me to kind of really start exploring kink and fetish and Mm. being dominant and kind of advocating myself sexually in a way that I hadn't been doing before. Yeah, like taking that control. Yeah, for sure. Becoming like a professional mean girl. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. I think like, yeah, it's really like what you said about the um, representation is really interesting because how long ago was that the CSI it was was probably about 20 years ago now yeah and like even now it's like you kind of you don't see that much positive representation of sex work in the media yeah no you don't see very much uh, well like also like I mean like the real problem is you don't see very much representation of sex workers in the media that's actually informed or Mm -hmm. written by sex workers yeah like we don't really get deals to write television shows or you know whenever movies are made about sex workers they're usually non-sex workers and they maybe have consulted with sex workers Mm -hmm. but they're not written by sex workers they're not directed by sex workers or produced by sex workers yeah moving on to the next question what would you say is your style of domination and what would a session would you look like I don't know I always kind of struggle to pin down an exact style of Mm -hmm. domination like one of the things I always ask my clients before we session together for the first time is what kind of female archetypes are you drawn to like are you drawn to a mommy or a headmistress Mm -hmm. or a classical mistress like what is it that makes you tick because realistically most of the time in sessions I'm just me like I am just me like my personality there's nothing I put on or perform Mm -hmm. but I like to know what it is that makes them tick so I can use that against them yeah and Um, would you say like say if someone said oh my um my 
preferred female archetype was a headmistress how does that kind of translate into the session exactly well yeah because like you know if somebody says headmistress they probably want you to be strict Mm -hmm. they might want you to be colder yeah they might want you to be a little bit more uncaring yeah and definitely like punish them harshly for any infractions Mm -hmm. whereas if somebody wants like the mummy archetype they probably want you to be a little bit warmer or more caring however that's not necessarily the case because mummy can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people so it's like figuring out what they want out of that I mean that's part of the art of domination yeah that's so interesting as well because I think often when you ask people like oh what kind of domination they might not be able to put it into exact words Mm -hmm. but I think like the archetype thing is like a really like it sounds like a really fascinating way of approaching that subject without um maybe getting like too confused and bogged down with like what's the correct word to like describe this it's like okay let's like yeah let's think of like a stereotype basically and Mm -hmm. work on that Mm yeah yeah yeah, I mean, something that I often find with subs is they actually don't know what they want a lot of the time, uh, yeah. especially less experienced subs. Mm-hmm. They might not know what they want. And especially when you're first kind of like you're like finding your feet as a dom, that can feel very frustrating because it's like, oh, well, you haven't told me what you want. Yeah. So if you don't like how the session goes or if you, um, you know, like something doesn't click for you, like it's it's frustrating because they haven't told you what it is mm-hmm. to make the click for them. So figuring out the right kind of questions to get that information from people is very important. Yeah, and yeah, from my sort of perspective, like seeing it as like a job role, so like where usually it would be like the customer tells you what they want and then that's what you're, that's the service you provide. But it's kind of like flipped on its head if you're a mm-hmm. dominatrix because you're in control of it as well. But it's like sort of like it's more like sharing of um, roles rather than like, oh, this is the strict role that you're, you know, meant to be in. Um, but yeah, like that kind of like brings me to my next question about like how rigid are these expectations of the dom and the sub? I feel like the expectations are very rigid. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's particularly in femdom. Right. There's a very specific dogma that femdoms are expected to follow. And there's kind of like, you know, like a very strong expectation of, oh, like doms do this and subs do this. Yeah. And it, it frustrates me, honestly, because I think they're we put all of these different expectations and sex and kink that, you know, fucking someone is dominant and being fucked is submissive, but that's all made up. Yeah. You know, like you can, you can like be penetrated, but be dominating somebody while you're being penetrated. And that's like a really like heterosexual view of sex, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's very much based on the idea that like receiving is inherently Mm -hmm. passive and it doesn't have to be. At the end of the day, I always say being, being dominant or being like a femdom it's essentially about you doing what you want mm-hmm. and taking control of your own desires. Yeah. And, you know, in essence, like, you're controlling the situation and I think you're trying to figure out what makes the sub tick mm-hmm. to make them submit to you. Yeah. Whenever a sub comes to me and they're like, 
I want you to do this and I want you to do that. And I like, you know, and a, and a femdom should act like this. I'm not really interested in seeing them mm. because they should be coming to see me from me and yeah. my own specific style of femdom. And if they want somebody to like shout at them and, you know, slap them across the face and like, you know, like treat them like a dog, that's actually not going to be me. They need yeah. to go to a different dom for that. There's no catch all, oh, this is exactly what a femdom acts like, yeah. you know? Yeah. And do you find that frustrating? Like if a submissive came to you and they're obviously expecting maybe like this very stif- stereotypical view of what a dominatrix is like in like head to toe leather and like wielding a weapon or some sort and being angry and shouting like is that frustrating I do find it a little frustrating and the thing is like there's there's times in a session where I might be like that yeah if I feel like acting like that mm-hmm. what I don't like is whenever somebody tells me if I'm not acting like that that I'm not a real dominant yeah I think luckily at this stage in my at this stage in my career like I just don't I don't really get a lot of people coming to me because I think you know I'm established enough doing what I do that yeah and my kind of screening process is very much designed to bring me the kind of clients that I want to have so like majority of the time I just like I love my sessions and I have great sessions and yeah sometimes sometimes I might get somebody where there's like a misalignment or a miscommunication, yeah. but not not very often. How would you um, deal with that if something like that came up? It depends. Like if I thought it was a really, really fundamental incompatibility, mm-hmm. you just say like, but like, you know, you, you would want to get to that stage in the booking process before yeah. they come for the service. Mm-hmm. If they came for the service and like, they kind of like said like, oh, this isn't, what I wanted I mean like it's never really happened for me but like you know like at the end of the day they've come I've done my best I'm all they can do is like leave and leave me with the money you know like unfortunately like kink is like sex like you know sometimes it works for people and sometimes it doesn't and it's not through like anyone's fault it's just an incompatibility yeah and I sometimes think that people what they think they might be into they're not necessarily into oh, in yeah. practice yeah for sure for sure and I mean like that is quite common that somebody mm-hmm. comes and they're like oh I want to try this and then they're like oh I actually don't really like that yeah. you but know it's also good to like feel safe that you can try that with someone for sure and it's like best to try things like that I think with a professional oh, because yeah. like if you try it in your personal life somebody's feelings might get hurt yeah. or like it might like lead to like awkwardness down the line. Mm-hmm. So just try it with a professional and you can come and try it. And if you don't like it, you leave, you never have to see them again. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> um, and how like, how do you think kink can be used as a way to explore and subvert um, societal binaries, such as like with men, like maybe taking on a more dominant role and vice versa? Well, it's kind of interesting because I do feel like in a lot of ways, a lot of like kink, particularly mainstream, like hetero kink Mm -hmm. reinforces these social binaries. Um, Even within femdom, like a lot of kind of like the general perception of what femdom is, is based on a very rigid perception of how a woman should perform gender. Yeah. And you know, like, it's like I love wearing the corset, the heels, stockings, everything like that. Don't get me wrong, but it's a 
a very kind of like male-oriented yeah. view of femininity. So it, I think that to get to that place where maybe you're using kink to subvert these societal binaries, you really need to like interrogate kink and you need to interrogate what it is you're doing and your motivations behind doing it yeah and I think that that's something that happens a lot more in within like queer queer kink scenes Mm -hmm. and like you know like I'm part of some kind of like leather dyke kind of socials and stuff like that where like I would say that that's like something that people really think about is like how how kink can reinforce or break down these kind of social binaries of how women are expected to behave how men are expected to behave how we perform gender Mm -hmm. yeah gender and sexuality Mm -hmm. as well yeah yeah that's interesting um what you said a little bit about like kink in the sort of modern way that it's being presented um do you feel like the kink community kind of follows trends yeah yeah a hundred percent and I like it's something that I notice especially on Instagram Mm -hmm. which you know I always kind of think that like the kink community is not really like one big community but there's many many communities so like you know whenever you see people on Instagram I do think that a lot of the like trends and kink tend to be more aesthetic yeah so it's like things like piss or blood or like religion where it can make a really great photo and it can make a really impactful image I think like that's kind of where these trends in kink tend to come from I think like in terms of like people playing in their actual like private lives Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's so much trends there I think people kind of tend to find what they like and like develop upon that yeah absolutely it becomes kind of performative doesn't it because Mm -hmm. you're thinking I think if you're sort of doing these kinks that are like sort of what we'd call like Instagram worthy, then you're thinking, oh, how can I make this into like a pretty picture? Yeah, or, like, how does a cool it become video? content? <laughs> yeah, how is it becoming content? And you do see a lot of that. And especially now there are so many like more like kink photographers and artists mm-hmm. and things like that. And yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because yeah, I've definitely noticed stuff like that. And yeah, there's people who they they have like large followings and they have like specific kinks that they're well known for so then other people are kind of following along with those kinks as well yeah for sure for sure I definitely think that that's a bit of a phenomenon Uh, especially I would say I just noticed it so much since the pandemic because I Mm -hmm. guess like in the pandemic a lot of how people were engaging with the kink world was through social media and it was through Instagram and I suppose like you could say is that like it's partially performative and then I guess for some people it's also exhibitionist as in like you know its own other kink of like just being exhibitionist and like liking to receive attention for Mm -hmm. like your images and your like sexuality and your kinks but no I do feel I think that the next one is going to be slime that's like oh. my yeah that's my like <laughs> kink trend prediction oh my gosh like WDSN like, but for kinks like <laughs> Nickelodeon type slime because oh you can like yeah. I've seen some photographers making like really cool photos mm-hmm. with like different colored slime and it is kind of hot like I'm really into the alien like monster thing yeah. 
And um, yeah, I can totally see that being there. I remember when I used to do like fashion blogging, which is so embarrassing to admit this. And I had like a lookbook and stuff. But I remember someone asking me loads of questions about like, do you remember Get Your Own Back on TV? I'm Irish, so. Oh, (laughs) okay. So it was basically like you took like a family member on, like a child took their family member on TV and you basically were like, you were played against them and then you got to gunge them with slime if like you won or something yeah. like that. And someone asked me like loads and loads of questions about that. And I only realized probably in like the last year that that was like a kink, definitely a kink thing. And I was so naive and I was like answering all these like gunge questions. Yeah, it's Which is really so stupid common. because why would I think that as like, like a, a fashion like blogger person like but why how would you know and it's really yeah. common it's really common with like slime and gunge people yeah. like also like people getting like vanilla like vanilla people to do like gunge videos and yeah. the guys of it being like um for like a charity. charity yeah <laughs> I've seen yeah that. there was a guy doing like this like messy for mind scam um, and everyone in the splashing this. scene was like this is like some guy farming fetish content yeah I remember this happening on Twitter weirdly um, yeah and yeah like yeah well, yeah splashing is like a quite a new not new but like I think it's obviously been around for a long time but I didn't really know anything about it until fairly recently and yeah yeah I mean like I love like do you ever see like the old like 80s sploshing like photos that are in those kind of like really old school fetish magazines like they're great that's so cool but yeah I definitely see like as like a sort of offshoot from that slime definitely Mm -hmm. it's kind of more aesthetically pleasing because yeah I mean food can be a little gross yeah it's kind of disgusting I really hate like my like one of my biggest limits is like baked beans yeah baked beans is a big one yeah involving baked beans especially cold no I hate it I hate it I am like I've literally like had to like mute people on Instagram for posting things involving beans yeah that just reminds you of like stuff like the Guinness World Records like I'm sure there was something like a baked bean bath I like doing like trifles like I've had like so many guys like get me to put my feet in trifle and it feels really nice yeah I feel like all the layers would (laughs) be really satisfying yeah like squishing up the little like soggy sponges at the bottom of your toes is really fun that's (laughs) <laughs> I love that and custard's quite like skunky and custard is <laughs> nice but like the thing with anything with like dairy you just have to do it somewhere where you can like throw away the yeah. like undersheet or like wash it off like right away because it starts to smell yeah. really horrible <laughs> milk is like not the one <laughs> yeah that's so funny but yeah I really like your sort of trend prediction yeah. for next year or maybe I've this always year, been right know. I've always been oh, right really? I was right about like the religion thing coming yeah. after the piss thing yeah that's a big that's a big one at the moment like religion and it's like mm. I don't know what it is about like I think I guess it is really taboo but and I think church and sort of like, I think it just makes a great imagery yeah, as well it's always like, been really popular like, well I always think it's so funny because like the UK is a Protestant country but it's yeah. all of these like all of these like people with a religious fetish using like Catholic iconography yeah. and it's like none of you grew up Catholic yeah. like, <laughs> it's Catholic not guilt. like you're fetishized <laughs> yeah you don't have real Catholic guilt you were never yeah. made I'm not baptized, but I remember being made to say prayers in like primary mm-hmm. school and being told who the devil was and like, <laughs> like get, being absolutely terrified because I had no context for oh, any of this. Yeah, that's terrifying. That's real Catholic girl. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think that 
Yeah, I think that's a big one. Um, obviously, like the kinks that we see on social media are quite different. Do you find they're different in the real world? I think, yeah. I mean, like my clients that come to see me, like they, most of them, like they're intensely private about their mm-hmm. kinks. You know, they're probably like keeping these things secret from family, wives, friends. Yeah. You know, like for them, it's not, none of it's a performance none of it's about exhibitionism well yeah. some, sometimes it's about exhibitionism yeah. <laughs> but like uh, you know the va- vast majority of my clients are keeping all of this stuff like strictly under lock yeah. and key and they wouldn't be like involved in these communities even mm-hmm. where it's more like openly spoken about yeah or you know even if they are you know there's people in the kink scene who do things in private that they yeah. would never want to get out in the kink scene yeah well, for me, for like a long time, what I was really known for is like, um, like uh, toilet training and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I would have like a bunch of clients who would never ever talk about doing this kind of thing, yeah, ever. Like that's like something that they're so secretive about because it's a really stigmatized kink, mm-hmm. and that's not something that you you're gonna see people posting regularly on Instagram about having, but. It's so common. Yeah. Like, realistically, I think it's almost as common as having a piss kink. I just think people are I very private about it. it's very, like... It's quite, like... It's very much rooted in shame, isn't it? Anything to do with, like, the toilets. Yeah. Is, like, we still have it. Like, people still get, like, nervous to go to the toilet at other people's houses That's why it t- like turns that. people off so... Uh, turns people on so yeah. much. Like, <laughs> it's so shameful. You know, like, and that shame is something that comes up again and again in yeah. kinks. And, like, like shame is really one of the most intense emotions that you mm-hmm. can feel as a person. Like, if you think back to some of your strongest memories as a child, it's probably when you were really embarrassed. Yeah. One of the things that a lot of people end up getting embarrassed by is stuff to do with going to the bathroom. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the reasons why it becomes such a common kink. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember, like, you know, I've always had a piss kink. And it's like, I really think it's because, like, you know, whenever I was younger, I always had UTIs. Oh, So, like peeing and like yeah. I like has always been such a like big thing for me yeah. and I guess at some point like I just like fixated on it to the point of it becoming a fetish yeah oh my gosh yeah that's really yeah I think that's so true yeah. but it's also like I guess like it's nothing to be ashamed about as well that's the that's the it's weird not. thing and like, I mean that's kind of the thing that can be powerful about yeah. kink because you can take something that might feel very shameful to you mm-hmm. and turn it into something that you actually really enjoy yeah and it becomes like even if you're like the submissive person in that situation you still have control over your desire in in some sense Mm -hmm. yeah and how um like speaking to like the trends and developments in BDSM how would you do you kind of need to like keep up to date with them in any way or do you just kind of let things let no I I just I like I want to have my own style yeah so I don't really like, you know you don't want to like like bend to particular no yeah I want to like you know for me I've always just kind of like like if fundamentally what you're marketing whenever you're marketing as a female dominant is you're marketing yourself mm-hmm. like yeah I, and you don't want to be beholden like to trends or brand. anything like that yeah, yeah I'm the brand and like to be honest like a huge part of my brand is my height and being mm-hmm. six foot two and like that can't be a trend because there's yeah. not <laughs> there's very few six foot two women out there yeah. so yeah no I mean like for me I kind of like 
what, what I want to do is always just focus on growing my skill set, mm-hmm. getting more and more skills and attracting more clients that are right for me yeah. and that I can really have fun with and I can have a great like lasting relationship with yeah it's like do things that you love basically yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um this also kind of feeds into the sort of trends I also feel like recently uh, like you said with COVID things have slightly changed a bit and I feel like I don't know if it's just me that's noticed it's but definitely more like in-person events have become a bit more popular and I mm. don't know if that's like maybe because of people wanting to like sort of get back in touch with people or like in a sort of physical sense um, because of like being apart for so long yeah I mean I think it must be that I know from like people that I've spoken to that like lockdown was an opportunity for them to kind of really think about what they were interested in and also like prolonged periods of celibacy or you know not really like having partners tends to make the imagination run wild yeah we'll have a lot of time to think about what turns them on and a lot of time to think about what they might like to explore so I think for a lot of people they were like yes whenever I get out of lockdown I'm gonna start going to this and I'm gonna like kind of like screw any any inhibitions I might have had about doing that before also I have to say as a sex worker I did notice that a lot of people broke up over the pandemic like a lot of people ended relationships over the pandemic so I also think there's an element where people came out of long-term relationships Mm -hmm. where maybe they were monogamous and they weren't like exploring their kinks and they were like I'm gonna do it now yeah it kind of like disrupted everything in such like yeah throwing everything up in the air and then yeah everyone's sort of finding their feet again I suppose Mm -hmm. and like figuring out who you are it's like almost like like before you turn 18 or something yeah you kind of have that like prolonged period of thinking like oh what am I gonna do when I turn 18 what we're gonna do like I'll be allowed to do all this stuff and then you just have to go out and do it yeah no I mean it's kind of funny for me because I actually go to much less parties now than I used to before the pandemic yeah I I do I struggle with really big crowds Mm -hmm. um and also like I do feel like when like you know purely purely because I'm six foot two like I'm quite a noticeable person so I don't really like to be observed whenever I play Mm -hmm. I'm not much of an exhibitionist like it doesn't really like do anything for me so I I, you know a lot of also like a lot of the stuff I like to do I'm just not allowed to do (laughs) (laughs) so I like to do things more in private or small groups or like Mm. just like book a dungeon with a few friends and do things that way keep it low-key yeah yeah and I'm also old as well like yeah yeah. I mean I feel like that as well I like to get I like to (laughs) sleep I can't be out till 4 a.m (laughs) that's a nightmare to me (laughs) People like go to club about one AM, and that's whenever I want to go to sleep. Yeah, so I know. I know, yeah, definitely. It's for like it seems very much like things like that. I'm like it's very much for like very young people who have a lot of energy. Yeah, I'm like just have like more like daytime events, like maybe like a brunch. I would, yeah, a, a kinky brunch. I'd <laughs> yeah. love that. Yeah, I think that should be a thing. A kinky femdom brunch would be good. Yeah, even breakfast, like. Do it early in the day. 8am. 8am. Yeah, Let's go to a party. bakery. <laughs> Maybe we'll just skip the femdom <gasps> bit. Like, Literally just pastries. go to a bakery. <laughs> yeah, in coffee. Ugh, sounds lovely. 
Um, this is my, my final question, I think. Um, do you think technology has changed the BDSM and kink community? Um, I don't really know if I'm like necessarily the best place person mm-hmm. to speak on this because like as long as I've been involved in the kink community and like as long as I've been doing what I do, like pretty much like the technology has been the same. So I've always been using Twitter to market yeah. myself. Um, I use Instagram, but like to be honest, I use Instagram more as like a personal user. I don't really yeah. use it to market too much. Um, I suppose it's so limiting what you can actually post about anyway. So yeah, for sure. You have to find other routes. Transform like how you advertise and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like really, whenever I started working, that was right whenever they brought in Foster and Sesta. Oh, yeah. So the yeah. United States laws that really kind of crippled advertising in the United States. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that was kind of the biggest like transformation that I can remember. But yeah. like obviously there's people who've been in the industry longer who can remember it going from like advertising in magazines, mm-hmm. like back pages, stuff yeah. like that. I guess to... people don't even buy print stuff anymore. Yeah, anyway. well, like I think I'm almost kind of like thinking maybe there'll be a shift back to that. Like now that yeah. advertising's getting increasingly difficult, mm-hmm. and I mean in the UK they're actually trying to introduce a bill similar to Foster and Sesta, right. which would be really um, I think it's called the Online Safety Bill, but right, I mean, yeah. That should be double checked, but um, so we really need to fight against that because mm-hmm. if that um, if that goes through, it will make working in the UK much more dangerous for all kinds yeah. of sex workers. And would that? I'm guessing that would like translate to things like OnlyFans and that kind of like, or people um, selling clips. I believe like it mainly relates to in-person services, oh, okay. but I'm not like the most well-read person yeah. um, on this topic. I encourage everyone listening to go and read up on it. Yeah. Um, because it is very important for mm. all sex workers. But yeah. um, I think that like by and large OnlyFans type people would probably be more safe. But the thing mm-hmm. is like the laws like this, they're always the possible of them being a slippery slope and being yeah. used to kind of like oh absolutely we need to set the precedent push back more and more and more yeah I think that's really important and a really good note to like finish up on yeah so it's amazing to chat to you about yeah all lovely of this to chat stuff. and yeah if you would like to find out more about Simone you can go to probably my Twitter is a good mm-hmm. place yeah. uh, which is at Simone Rieg which is R-E-A-G-E. My Instagram is the same. And I also have a bit more of a like personal Instagram that's at bad.morgan. And that's where I kind of post more writing and things like that. Cool. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to To Put It Playfully. If you want to follow us on social media, find us at Playful Promises. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button to learn about our new podcast episodes. See you then.